cut it no more. Want a great big pipe? And here we are after show number nine in Atlanta, Georgia. Starting to feel like we're past the hump here, almost halfway. Yeah, and it's the weekend, and uh, realistically, this is probably the first time we've been able to really take a deep breath and relax a little because, you know, last Saturday we were doing the New Jersey Code Camp. You know, we had Sunday, which was really our first day off, but now we have Saturday and a day to drive Sunday. So, and Mark Dunn is here, and Rory is here, and you're here. You know, if a bomb went off right here in this building, there'd be no more .NET Rocks, past, present, or future. Yeah, that would be all of it. There's sort of a co-host collision going on here right now. It's kind of spooky, really. <laughs> and uh, we are here with our first guest, who is uh, Rick Noli. Hi, Rick. How are you? They're pretty good. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, so this is where we are having this party right here. You work here. That's correct. So what do you do? Uh, I'm a developer, mostly web projects. ASP.NET? Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, a little mixture of a lot of different things, but right now the focus is ASP.NET. Oh, and where are we exactly? We're at Definition 6. Definition 6? And, and so this is a contract development shop or a consultancy? Consulting company, yes. Okay, so you serve as a consultant in the, in the organization? Uh, that's right. All yeah. right. So is this a, do you have a website you want to point people to? Uh, it's uh, www.definition6.com, and the 6 is the number 6. Couldn't be easier. So what kinds of things are you working on besides, you know, within ASP.NET? Uh, right now, I've got a couple things going. I... Pretty sure I can say the client's name because they're pretty well known. And to if be you can't, we can edit it out. Okay, it's uh, uh, we're working on a chat application for Bell South Large Business. Nice, a chat application. Like- uh, yeah, it's it's a application that the large business group can send out invitations to their customers to come and join this chat session where they answer questions. Oh, interesting. So not just internal, but to pull in specific customers as well. Not purely a public consumption product but sort of a customer interaction kind of thing that's correct right and so security and role management probably a big issue there right right i mean we actually purchased a third-party chat application and Mm -hmm. then we basically just created a registration system Mm -hmm. a user registration system uh for people to come and pre-register for the chat and then log in and you know join the chat once it starts that's pretty cool so is it in production not yet. It's rolling out, <clears throat> excuse me, I think at, um, at the end of next week. Oh, very cool. And this is 1.1 or 2? 1.1. Ah, uh, okay. So this is sort of your last 1.1 app. Now the 2 is imminent? I doubt it. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're still doing a lot of 1.1 stuff. For sure, yeah. yeah. So we were just outside, you know, sipping a drink, and you told me a, a story that involved .NET Rocks in some way. It was a pretty cool story. Okay, yeah, so... <laughs> So I'm from Portland, Oregon. Um, I then now there's lots of nice people from Portland, Oregon. That's not a bad thing. No, I'm I'm proud to be from Portland. Um, yeah, but I was back visiting my son's first one year birthday party with my wife. She's from Portland as well. We're mm-hmm. over at her house having a big old party. We all decided we were hungry and we'd order some uh, some pizzas. So we placed an order for like three or four pizzas at Papa John's. So then. Um, 
we drive, me and my brother-in-law drive down there. We go inside, we get the pizzas. We're walking out to our car and suddenly the Papa John's guy is chasing us out to the parking lot. And he goes, hey, hey, wait a minute. Um, I think we gave you one too many pizzas. And I was like, no way, really? And so, my my wife had actually ordered, so I had no idea what she ordered. So, I, <laughs> you know, so I look at the pizzas and sure enough, one of the boxes was larger than the rest. And I noticed this guy standing behind the Papa John's guy uh, that was obviously... Waiting a, for his pizza. Yeah, he was a customer that was looking at me like, hey. So, then I s- suddenly recognized him and I said, hey, you're Chris Sells. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, how did you know that? And <laughs> You recognized him from what? Well, from .NET Rocks. Because really? Because I'm a big fan of the show and I used to... Well, I still do, but I, I more more so previously, I'd, you know, browse your guys' site a lot and I saw pictures of Chris and I listened to the interviews and I listened to the one where he interviewed you, Carl. Yeah, right. And, um, but it That's was funny, funny because he just couldn't believe that somebody recognized him. From the headshot on DNR. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And now we changed that to a cartoon character, but there wasn't a cartoon character then, right? All right, with the orange hat thing. Yeah. And, and then... um. So anyway, so I, I, that was his pizza I had I had gotten, and I um, gave it back to the Papa John's guy and got in my car. And then the funny thing was, I saw Chris get in his car, and he had his two boys with him, the Frank Sells brothers, Sells brothers, right? And um, he, when I looked over at Chris from my car, I could tell that he was telling his boys, like, "Hey, see that guy over there? He recognized Daddy or something <laughs> like that." <laughs> So it was, it was it was pretty fun. It was pretty coincidental, you know. It sure, just... sure. And do you ever go to the? Well, you you're from Portland, so you were back there. But how? When did you leave the area? I came. Well, my wife is a flight attendant for Delta Airlines, and mm-hmm. she got based in Delta in 1997. So we moved down here. Then I was just when the uh, dot com explosion was occurring. Right, and of course Delta's base is Atlanta, so I guess it makes sense that you're here. But not a place, bad place to be for development either. No. I mean, if anybody questions whether Atlanta is a good place to live, first go to computerjobs.com and look at how many jobs are in Atlanta compared yeah. to other cities. And then go to remax.com and search for a house in Atlanta. Yeah. And you'll see why a lot of people live here. Um, but actually, we only stayed here for three years. And then I moved to New York City and was living there for four years. Mm. And now I'm back in Atlanta. So did you get a chance to do any .NET stuff while you lived in Portland? No, not really. Actually, Portland's Portland's a great place to live if you have an electrical engineering degree. Okay. <laughs> but if you're a software guy, it's... So, Richard, if you ever wanted to defect, you know, from that crazy country of yours up north, you could go to, uh, you know, Portland. Portland would be high on my list of places to go, actually. I have a bunch of friends there as well. I've actually got some clients there, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, if I had to change careers, I'd probably end up at Intel. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Oh, that's right. Uh, Intel's economy basically drives the whole, or Intel's industry basically drives the whole economy. Them and Nike. That's the whole place. Uh, Totally. And when Intel employees get bonuses, all the car dealers are super excited because (laughs) that's pretty much how it goes in Portland. Yeah, I can see that. So, um, here's your chance to uh, say something to the .NET Rocks listenership, the minions, the the teaming millions, anything you want to say, anything you want to plug. Go for it. Well, I would just say that I, before I was working here at Definition 6 doing .NET development, I've been a Perl developer for several years and also a Java 
uh, application developer mm-hmm. at MarthaStewart.com for four years. Oh, wow. Um, and now I'm doing .NET, and I must say, um, I just, I I don't really like the attitude of a lot of zealots. You know, it's like yeah. either I'm hardcore Linux or hardcore Windows because I've tried everything, and yeah. I appreciate all different types of programming, but I must say that .NET is um, probably the most exciting and uh, interesting technology I've used to date. And I'm pretty excited about sticking with it for a while. For sure. I mean, it, .NET does rock. But, you know, <laughs> you bring up a salient point, which is that good apps and bad apps are built in all of these technologies. Picking a technology doesn't guarantee success. You do need some skill and some effort and some time. Yeah, that, that's right. And it's, it is what you make of it. And For sure. Yeah. I'd also like to say that if you haven't listened to the interview with Carl and you're new to .NET Rocks, I recommend <laughs> going back and listening to it because it's probably my favorite one. Oh, really? Well, that's very nice of you to say. All right. Well, listen, it's been nice talking to you. And, Thank uh, you. We'll talk to you again sometime, I'm sure. Okay. Thanks Bye. a lot. Thank you. And guest number two is none other than ex-co-host Mark Dunn. Howdy, howdy, howdy. It is so great to be in the same room with all you guys at the same time. I can't tell you what how tickled I am. Oh, this has been a blast. Yeah, and it's been a great event, too. Ever since you know we started the road trip planning phase, one of the first things we did was I hooked up with you and said, let's have a party in Atlanta. And we're in the middle of a party in Atlanta. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, hiding off in the side room here, just grabbing a couple of interviews, acting like we're still working right. while we're into your very fine bourbon i'm glad you guys enjoy it fabulous bourbon yes you're a man of taste what can i say so this is woodford reserve is it what woodford reserve it's the first time i've had it let me just uh, take a little sip here you know um i'm a fan of maker's mark as you know uh i am as well yep and this is not quite as sweet but it's got a very very nice flavor right a nice smooth bourbon not as much vanilla as you get yeah with maker's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I was surprised by it. I mean, I'm a scotch drinker, so I'm used to right. a pretty heady drink, but this is a little lighter, a little fruitier. You know, it's kind of, I'm using right. wine words for bourbon, but impressive, yeah. impressive stuff. Right. A cube of ice, nothing more. It's all it needs. That's all it needs. Exactly. Yep. So, Mark, what is your relationship with um, this company? Right. Definition six. Definition when, six. Uh, we're, we're actually at Definition Six, a uh, very well known uh, web development company here mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, also known, I guess, for uh, helping companies jumpstart their marketing. Okay. Uh, so they also are, are very good at creating Software companies or any company? Uh, any, any kind of company that needs a web presence. Oh, okay. Uh, they, these are the guys to come and see here. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> back when we first met them, we met them by doing an ASP.NET class for them. Cool. So they were strictly a classic ASP company, and that's how I kind of got to know them. Wow. And then occasionally we subcontract and do coding tasks for Now, them. we is done training. We is done training. So, since you left .NET Rocks, you've basically started a training company, and this has been like a really big deal. I mean, you've, you've done very uh, it's, well. It's grown a little bit. Yeah. 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 It went from, uh, I, I think at the point I left .NET Rocks, there was me and four other trainers, and now there's 17. Yeah. Make that 16 and because actual, Microsoft just hired one of them away. So <laughs> Yeah, we have the same problem in the RD right. space. And, and you didn't, for the record, you didn't leave. The, .NET Rocks wasn't your job. That was just something on the side. You right, had right, been working right. for was, another company. I was actually doing training for, I guess, what, a year and a half before we right. started doing .NET Rocks. And the training is mushroomed into consulting as well. And, right. and now you've got a whole bunch of guys working for you. And 
Yeah, we have three active consulting projects right now. So uh, that's you know, great. That kind of keeps me busy. That's great. So what part do you get to do these days? You actually getting a chance to teach anymore or are you just running the shop? Uh, actually, I just got through teaching a class this week for uh, Maxwell Air Force Base. Uh, we did uh, .NET remoting, serialization, and some GDI. Beautiful. So I mostly do uh, custom classes for our customers. And actually, .NET Rocks was very beneficial to me career-wise because uh, they, they basically know who I am. Right. So uh, especially down here, right? Yeah, especially down here. Yeah, <laughs> we made so many Atlanta references in those early right. shows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't help but know. You're known all over the place. So name brand recognition has some value for this. You know, it's funny you should say this, and I'm just going to throw this on the air anyway. But I was talking to a company in Vancouver and told them I was going to Atlanta, and they said, "Any chance you're going to run across Dunn Training? Because we were thinking about bringing them up to Vancouver for a C sharp class." Cool. And I said, "You know what?" I'm going to see Mark Dunn tonight. So, awesome. do, you, do you cross-border work? Yeah, you bet. You come up to the strange and foreign land? Absolutely. Would I'll, love to do that. I'll lend you some snowshoes. Yeah. yeah. And ac- actually, next year, we're hoping to do some BizTalk work. Um, I talked to the BizTalk uh, marketing team today about doing some stuff over in the UK and Germany. So, uh, we're, we're looking forward to doing that as well. You know, um, this is fortuitous because, as you know, and maybe some of the listeners know, training for me has been, you know, the thing that I've been doing, uh, you know, full time for years now, for four right. or five years. And, uh, you know, the, when the .NET Rocks, th- I, I think it was when we started publishing the number that we had a million downloads. The advertisers came out of the woodworks and, right. and, and even our existing advertisers, you know, the rates went up to adjust for the new downloads. And I looked around and we said, we could start a couple more shows. We got new shows coming in for January. Doing the numbers, it's like, you know, this is this is a living here. This is no longer something that I'm going right. to do on the side. So, and, and I don't know if we've announced this or not, but, you know, Mark and I are going to be teaming up. And your right. you're guys, your brilliant guys, wherever That's you right. find these guys, are going to do training for Franklin's Net. Absolutely. And we're very excited about the opportunity. And there's some really smart guys working for you. I've talked to some of these guys. They're, they're really good. They are. They are. I, I, you know, I just got to hold on to them. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a heck of a lot about security from Eric Marvitz. That's right. Eric Marvitz. That's really his focus. He runs a blog at uh, marvitz.com. Yep. Uh, he's the security samurai. Yeah. And you have a lot of these people like... You don't necessarily know their names, but they're they're great teachers. And obviously, yep, your customers love them. They're great teachers. Uh, they're they're very deep into technology. Yeah. Any any names you want to throw out there? Uh, sure. Tom Kinzer, Brian Walters, uh, Mark Berry for BizTalk. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I can't wait till we start uh, pairing up, and you know, for a lot of my customers who are looking forward to me teaching the next version of VB two thousand five, I feel. A little bit sorry, but you, you know, your guys are probably a lot farther into it and deeper into it than I am at this point, maybe. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I think you're, you're pretty deep into, <laughs> uh, into .NET. Well, I'm okay. Do you get the sense, Mark, that uh, 2006 is going to be a banner year? New development tools, markets sort of switched around. Uh, I've really noticed that uh, companies have gone back to a lot of internal development. The subcontracting thing is sort of dying down and people want training. And yes. they want new work. It's a, it's amazing. Uh, people have been gobbled up left, right, and center. Didn't we have someone on the roadshow earlier on the pa- this past week was saying, don't ever list yourself as willing to move to Atlanta because you'll get inundated with job offers? 
Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, that that's one thing we saw here. I guess about nine months ago was the you know the demand started to pick back up, uh, especially for independent consultants. And I, I always say we're a reluctant consulting company. We we do consulting projects, but I have a three by three rule. So I only take on a consulting project that we can do in under three months with three or fewer people. And, it's a real uh, sort of dynamic, uh, extreme kind of style. Right. Small, tight, fast, get it done. Right. right. Kind and, of thing. Uh, and we actually partner with uh, Magenic Technologies, uh, who uh, you, you probably know Rockford Lotka. You know Rocky Lotka. You know Rocky well. Lotka. And they're, they're our, our consulting partner here in Atlanta. So if a large project comes along, uh, they're, they're our recommended solution provider for that. It's very smart. And it's good to stay in a specialty, too. You'd right. much rather teach their guys how to build the project than do right. it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, I think you, you know, what was it that Clint Eastwood used to say? A man's got to know his limitations, right? <laughs> uh, wasn't that, wasn't that said somewhere in a movie? Uh, yeah. Well, it's more, you know, more to the point of what do you really enjoy doing? Right. Teaching is a, is a calling all by itself. Running a large project is a calling too, but it's a different calling. Right. And, and, you know, it's a different animal to have a project that's two or three months long versus one that's a year long. Yes. And and we took one on and we got through it by the grace of God. Yeah. That was a large project, but what I discovered in that is we didn't really have the kind of process in place to take on a really large project. Well, and the interesting thing about large projects is they never die. If yep. any project is going to last a year, actually it lasts forever. A year was the first rev. Now right. we're working on the right. next rev. It never goes away. And that's where the process becomes so important is year over year, different people handling it. How are we going to keep this project alive? A three-month project is something you build, leave alone, and replace when you right. want an update. Yep. And you just don't see that in bigger scale projects. And Richard, you know a few things about this because you have your hands in big scale projects. Uh, well, for better or for worse, my specialty is dealing with teams of people, big teams running large software projects over very long times. But I've done a good job of keeping myself out of the critical path with a lot of that stuff. Most of my clients call me an insurance policy. I go in once a quarter to find out if anything really dumb is happening and shake it out. But other than that, you know, you're right. Uh, the, the funny situation I've gotten into is I haven't taken on new customers since 2001. Wow. We're always the same groups of t- people. You know, a few people change, but the companies never change. And we're just, what's the next version and the next version and the next version? I mean, I'm pretty happy. I can't complain about what I'm doing for a living, but it's a very different beast. And I'm afraid .NET Rocks is not going to do for me what it's done for, for, for Mark. I'm right. kind of happy with the job I got right now. But if my clients had their way, I wouldn't be doing this thing. <laughs> That's right. You've been, Richard's been on conference calls, like on the road. What? Speak up. I can't hear you. <laughs> Generator going in the background. What? Hang on a second. Oh, and you also have this funny, funny thing going on with your phone service for some reason, right? Yeah, for some reason. I mean, I have a Canadian phone, obviously, being from Canada, and but I'm using singular service because that's sort of the GSM service of the area. Mm-hmm. I can't make a call longer than 10 minutes. It At the end drops, of 10 minutes, it hangs up, and it's, and it's reliable. I mean, I warned the guys, 10-minute marker's coming up, click, and then I have to call back. I had one conference call, board of directors meeting, essentially. I had to call back six times. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so Mark, um, what are, are you comfortable doing? I mean, you're obviously a very shrewd businessman to be able to pull off the stuff that you've done. Uh, uh, are you really that or lucky? Very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but are you very comfortable in that role? Is this the kind of thing you could see yourself doing moving forward? Or 
you know, do you, do you anticipate finding somebody else to take over your role in, in moving into a different, maybe te- more technical lead? Right. Role? Uh, what I found is I really enjoy training and yeah. I, I still have my well, hand in that. I, I wind up teaching at least two classes every month. And the business aspects of things, some of it I enjoy. I found that sales is not something I really dig. Uh, so I always, you know, really need help with sales. Uh, some of the bookkeeping, that stuff, I've already uh, offloaded that to other people to do. But you're shepherding a really large group of very talented people. That's a tough thing to do to lead those sorts of folks. You know, it's the old herding cats problem. And we say 17? Well, 16 now. One just right, got you, hired got away by Microsoft. But, but you know, that's uh, past the magic number. That's no longer easily reser- reservations for dinner anymore. I, I mean, that's a challenging job. I'm surprised you're able to get into the field when you're taking care of that many people. Well, I, I, one thing I think that makes that work is I'm not a micromanager. So I, I trust these guys that they know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, they understand. They have complete autonomy. Uh, I, I basically provide the business. And keep them busy. They enjoy what they're doing. And that's really important with this kind of pers- developer personality, isn't it? Right. I mean, it, that's you, very important. You micromanage them, they'll go away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does sound like you've picked personalities that need to be independent and you want them independent right. too. I mean, it's a very complimentary role to give right. them space. And I, I would say you can run a training company this way. I don't think you could run a large consulting company that way. No, those are two different beasts completely. I mean, sh- shepherding a team of developers on a common project is one thing. If you think about it, you really have 17 lone or 16 lone wolves. Right. They each do their own show on any given day. They're fairly independent-minded. What they were doing is working under an umbrella that obviously you've architected. Right. And they're very independent and... Really, you realize when you're doing training, uh, it's it's a matter of, of meeting that customer's needs, uh, you know, on a week to week basis. You're in there for a week. Uh, it's training is a very clean business, in my opinion. And Carl and I have talked at yeah, length about this. Clean. That's one thing I like about it. We talked about this when you took my class below those many years ago in VV6. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We we're, we're sitting up in Providence, Rhode Providence, Island, Rhode Island yeah. in the bar having Absolutely. a beer, and it was like, you know, we like this business because. You have people. You give them. A, you give them knowledge, and mm-hmm. then you're done. You're not. You don't have software that you have to maintain. You know that kind of stuff. Right. It's a very clean, clean model. Right. And really, in business, I'm averse to risk. I don't like risk taking. Now, it's funny to say that having started a business and left the security of a job, <laughs> but uh, it's really true. And I I look at uh, some consulting business as as too risky. I, yeah. I actually turn things away. Oh, sure. Any fixed price gig is a high risk gig you know you've got to run at a high level of trust where you're allowed to spend other people's money and that's two different roles entirely there's, there's different kinds of projects that way i mean the great thing about training is you're in a, in for a week and you're out that's the end of it a yep. lot of other projects just aren't like that right but of course it you know it takes a special kind of person to be able to do it i mean and especially the way that you and i like to teach which is we write the code on the fly and that's, that's right that's a lot different from a lot of training companies that Right. But I, I'll say this. I think what makes the type of training we do successful and, and really uh, consumer-friendly is we know you have to know what you're doing to be able to do that. Yeah, that's right. So, so many training companies out there, uh, they're all about butts and seats yep. and, and the, the one-size-fits-all mentality. The canned curriculum. Yeah, the canned curriculum. And yeah. that, you know, you get what you pay for, really. Don't ask right? me any questions outside of what I'm telling you now because I don't know. Yeah, we're on page 14. Sorry, that's not on page 14. You know, great proof of this. We're, you know, we're doing the same show over and over again. 
uh, admittedly, 19 times, supposed to be 20 times. But every so while, I watch Carl do this. Somebody asked, I can't remember which show it was. It was, a, it, it was in Baltimore, in Baltimore, where they said, can VB.net build a web service? And he pulls this totally out of his pocket, out of nowhere. So it opens up Notepad, types in the specs for, for uh, a web method, saves it into an IIS folder as an ASMX file, and runs it, and it runs. It's like, do you need any more proof? We didn't right. even use Studio. Right. We just right. fired it off. Very stylistic training method, you know, because yep. you're raising the confidence level of the of the attendee or the, the student there. It's like, do not worry. It's going to work. Right. Here's the proof. It's running. Um, all right. So here's a question I get asked all the time. Richard gets asked all the time. You probably get asked all the time. And let's have a little discussion about this, the three of us. How do I get to do what you do? How, you know, do you have any tips on being a consultant, on being a trainer, on being an autonomous guy, getting into the community? How do you do it? Right. Okay. Good, good question. And this is actually something we were talking about, not you and I, but uh, me and some of the guys I work with about two weeks ago. And uh, we, we were kind of saying, well, you know, you guys are talented. Why are you not going out and doing the same thing? that I'm doing. Uh, And it's not just a matter of risk because these guys are fairly entrepreneurial. Uh, It's not really risk. I I really think part of the success uh, that you would have running a company, a lot has to do with your networking and how connected you are in the industry. You, You know, funny, this tour reflects that exact same thing. The show the training is the easiest part of the entire job. We knew we could do the show. We put together the material in no time flat. We knew we had more than enough stuff to present. And same thing with the training. Doing the teaching is the easy part. It's everything else. For the tour, it's all the logistics around what hotel and how long does it take the RV to get there and da-da-da-da-da-da. Same thing for training. The marketing the business administration, the registration. I mean, Closing all, the deal. Yeah, uh, making those things happen. And I think it's a thing that a lot of people forget when you go out and start your own business. If you love teaching, and I know you love teaching, mm-hmm. but you have committed to the fact that a big chunk of your time is not going to be teaching. It's going to be operating that business. That's right. Now, you look at all those stars you've got working for you, those guys only have to teach. They have sacrificed part of their potential income, and start part of their autonomy to get rid of those non-teaching elements. Mark takes care of that for me. I'm happy that way. I don't have to worry about it. He tells me where to teach, when to teach, and what to teach. I go and do it, mm-hmm. you know? And I get a check. Yeah. And then the money comes in, and I don't worry about chasing after the bills right. and do I have a class this weekend? That's your problem. You've paid that price. That's your trade. That's one of the reasons I asked that question right up front is, do you still get to teach it? I guess you've made the time to say once in a while you get a class still. Right. And, you know, I only get to teach because I have a good accountant and a good lawyer and a good bookkeeper. Mark, yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, if I had to do my own books, I'd be in jail right now. You know? <laughs> The problem I've got, of course, is I'm a consultant. I'm a true consultant in the fact that I'm not actually secretly a coder or any of those things. I mean, I do that kind of work. But in reality, people ask me for my opinion. That's my primary product. And I would be a hypocrite if I did not, as a trader of advice, take advice. You must have experts in their field giving you answers. Mm -hmm. The accountant, the lawyer, the banker, the insurance guy, you need them. That's the job. 
Let everybody who's good at what they do, do what they do for you. Pay them accordingly and expect the same in return. But the benefit of that is if you can go out and make the deals and make the money, you've got the revenue coming in to pay for that infrastructure. That's right. You get yourself a good bookkeeper, a good accountant. You, The way I have my business set up, I, I'm the only guy who can sign my checks to my account, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not just shirking off accounting responsibilities to somebody else. I sign all the checks. I get a folder every week. It's got all the checks. It's got the history. It's got the invoices. It's got the receipts. Everything that I need. And I get a spreadsheet every month of profit and loss. And I know exactly where every dollar is going. But right. I don't do any of that busy work. Exactly. And, I, and we're, we're in the same boat there. Yeah. I, I do it exactly the same way. Because, you know, what do you really, you really want to do? You really want to keep, keep yourself sharp to deliver a good product to your customer. That's what you want to do. Right. And I think you've got to be able to trust people uh, to to yeah. do a good job for you. Uh, if you if you get caught up too much in the details, uh, that that's going to cause you problems. Yep. There's just not enough hours in the day to do it. You know, you're really talking about what is one of the key skills of operating a business, which is being willing not to know everything that's going right. on, and being willing to trust that other people are competent at what they do and support them to be competent at those things. Whether it's your bookkeeper or your employee, you know, that, and that's a skill all by itself. You got to be grown up enough to say, "I'm going to go let this guy do this. I'm going to go let this guy face plant, screw it up, right. and then I'm going to help him get it right." And you know, let's face it, developers are control freaks. I yeah. am a control freak. I had to learn. To tell them to let go of the fact that I can't do books, man. I just, that's right. not my gig, right? And I, you know, so this is a hard thing, I think, for, for developers to learn that sure. you just got to let other people do that for you. It's, it's almost embarrassing to admit it, but for the sure. first year that I ran a business, my books were an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> that that was it. Everything well, plenty was of people done whose books are nothing but pieces of paper in a shoebox, too. So, uh-huh. I mean, that's just the truth. You know, the op- topic we're dodging around here is all of our weak spots. You know, we've talked about all the primary skills of a business. The number one, the one that kills you, and you brought it up first, it's sales. Sales is the bugbear. How do I get my customers? And I think every one of us in this room counts on the same thing, which is you pump the fame game. You do the books and you do the shows and you make yourself famous so that you are automatically sold because going out there and peddling to sell isn't right. any fun. And for me, quantifying, you know, number of downloads, spending a lot of time with the log files, looking and quantifying a reach so that you, you can present that to your advertisers right. or whatever. And yeah. I, I would say a lot of our business comes from referrals. Uh, you know, we, yeah. go, we go do a, a job for a company. They wind up talking to a friend of theirs when they're playing golf or something. And they go, you know, hey, this company, they, they came in and hit a home run for us. And the next thing I know, I get a call. You know, every single time I've gotten a customer, it's been a referral. My basic rule has been, if you need to ask me what I can do for you, we're never going to make a deal. It isn't going to work. You should be calling me and saying, hey, any chance you could be available? You know, and I've I've got lucky. I mean, I'm at that point now, but it evolved that way where I quickly found out when somebody called me and wanted to check me out from scratch, probably wasn't going to go anywhere. Generally, by the time they actually got a hold of me, I was already checked out. They'd read the materials. They read out on the magazines. They've heard the stuff. They've been to a show. You know, they're sold. Now what they're really doing is saying, hey, can we get you somehow? I think, you know, the, the things that I've heard you say, both of you say, and I believe is absolutely true, probably the number one thing that you have to cultivate is trust. 
Sure. Because you have to trust in yourself that you're going to be able to deliver the goods. You have to trust in other people that they're going to be able to take care of the details for you. And then you have to go do the thing that none of us like to do, which is go out and get the sale. Right. And, you know, you have those magic combinations. I guess I guess that's how you get to be uh, Mark Dunn or Richard Campbell or Carl Franklin, I guess. And there's no substitute for the clothes. There's a great line I used years ago. I got pulled into a, a boardroom, CEO sitting there, right? And, of course, the IT guys all love me. They've read my stuff and so forth and so on. But here's the guy who's going to sign my check. He looks me square in the eye and he says, so what are you going to do for me? <laughs> and I say to him, I'm going to stop the buck. I don't really care what the problem is. I don't know where it came from. It doesn't matter. I'm going to find it and I'm going to fix it. That's what I'm going to do. Somebody's getting fired. <laughs> well, I'm, for better or for worse, you keep hearing these, <laughs> these what I call bulldog stories. But, right. you know, the reality of it is sometimes it's just understanding that he didn't spend enough on training. He doesn't have enough people. Or he's, uh, you know, undersold his gear. Or he, you know, hasn't made the commitment to the what it takes to develop software. The number of times I've actually sat down and said, did you understand when you asked these guys to build this program, it was going to take a year, not a month? And they didn't understand that. You know, that's the reality of it. It's just setting the expectations properly and pushing it on. You know, all of us are anomalous geeks. You know why? We're all pretty good communicators. And more importantly, we really like communicating. There's an awful lot of people in our industry that don't. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And part of being in, in training, being a trainer, is an anomalous geek because you, you have right. to find someone that's technically competent and they enjoy communicating. Right. And you know what? They need to be entertaining. Right. Uh, that's a key component. I also think self-deprecating too is a big, big feature of a good trainer because no, let's face it. Nobody knows everything, right? Yeah. Now, if you're self-deprecating and you're an idiot, you've got a problem. Right. You've right? got a real problem. <laughs> but so if you know what you're doing and you can, you know, make fun of yourself, then you've got a good Good thing going. So did I ever tell you about the first training class I ever did as a professional trainer? No. So I never did. I don't right. think so. So, well, self-deprecating humor made me think about it because okay. I was worried about breaking the ice with the crowd. So I wound up, you know, barely making uh, it to the facility on time. I'd flown in <laughs> early, early in the morning, driven there. But there were like seven, eight people in the room. My books were, were there on the floor. I walked in, said good morning, turned around and squatted down to pick a box of books up, and I heard a ripping noise as my <laughs> pants blows out the pants. Right. They they split practically up to the belt loop. <laughs> so then a nice lady behind me said, My husband has a pair of boxers with that same pattern on them. Oh, oh very nice. Very nice. Right. So the only thing that saved me is I hadn't had time to check into a hotel and my suitcase was still in the rental awesome. car. Awesome. <laughs> That's fabulous. Well, you do what you can do, right? Right. <laughs> and slug your way through. Well, you know, I wish we had more time to talk, but, uh, uh, you know, there are more people out in that room and we we should probably talk to them. So, Mark, it's been Absolutely. such a pleasure being here. I can't Absolutely. tell you how great it is. Thanks so much, Matt. It's good to see you. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. And our third guest is Michael Kogan. Hi, Michael. Hi there, guys. How are y'all doing tonight? Great. Absolutely excellent. Enjoying your space a great deal. I appreciate you lending it out to us for the evening. Oh, well, we're happy to have everybody here. After hours party is always a uh, good time by all. Yeah, ab absolutely. <laughs> 
So we were talking to one of your employees just a couple of guests ago, and uh, he says that you're uh, a, a consulting house here in Atlanta doing some interesting things with ASP.NET. We are. We, um, we really do specialize in uh, sort of business-driven uh, applications where most of our clients are the business users who turn to us in their internal IT department to solve a business issue first and a technical problem second. So it's an interesting world we live in. And Mark Dunn also brought up the fact that I think you do a little bit of branding work for people too, bring up their web presence from scratch before they have anything like that. Absolutely, we do. Um, and really, that's probably one of the interesting legacies that we have is we have a philosophy of user-centric design uh, here, which comes from our branding backgrounds, which is what's the user supposed to do and what's the message supposed to be conveyed and then what's the system needed to support that. So, so you read the book, Don't Make Me Think, maybe? I did not read that book. Oh, okay. This is, a, this is a book that when I got into this space and I hired some guys who were interested in the web visibility thing, there's a book, and I can't remember who wrote it, called Don't Make Me Think, about how most people get websites wrong because they make you look for stuff, they make you search for things, they make you put two and two together, when really it's about accessibility, easy to drive, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um that's very familiar to the reading shelves that a lot of our usability yeah. engineers, I'm sure, uh, have. Probably the most uh, interesting book uh, we talk about around here right now is uh, The World is Flat. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> I read that book. <laughs> because that really talks about how usability has to be gender, race, religion, yeah. culturally independent. And that's it has right. to be the human nature. So and, and that's what a lot of us look at. It's now. sort of an economics book, but it touches so many more things. And that's a that's Friedman, right? It is not Milton Friedman, of no. course. The and, well, I can't remember his first name now. <laughs> it's but Thomas Thomas Friedman. Thomas, he yeah. also read uh, wrote uh, Lexus and the Olive Tree about right. the first phase of globalization. But this one is huge. This one is really changing the way we have to all live and work, how we develop, how we plan, how we execute. It's. Uh, the whole idea of the world deal. being flat, meaning that, you know, you get out in uh, Bangalore, India, and it looks like California, and you're just as close as a phone call. You, you know what I found fascinating in that book was the McDonald's story? Yes. Of the guy who's got these franchises at McDonald's. I can't remember where exactly, but uh, he's got like 14 franchises. When you're at the drive-thru and somebody says, can I take your order? They're actually three or 400 miles away in another state at a call center taking your order and then they, they punch the order up on the screen in the store. So they outsource the guy who says, you want fries with that. Yeah. The amazing part is not only is it for his operations, he's now reselling it to other franchise operations, and they're beating production and performance goals by astronomical percentages. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. Less amazing. mistakes, because yep. the people inside aren't treating it like you know a minor annoyance while they're going and collecting the food. They're actually concentrating on it. They're sitting at a desk. But I think the bigger difference they're making is by consolidating that information, they learn a lot more about how to shape an order, what the maximum kind of orders are and the right things to do there and the full potential of that sort of information. You consolidate across all those sources. You learn something about what kind of customers come where. Yeah. And obviously, you're taking a nod from you know a company like UPS, right? Oh, yeah. You know, where they, they're, <laughs> they're doing so many more things under the cover than just what they, you know, their main thing. So, is that something you want to develop, sort of this uh, insider uh, insourcing? We do. Um, and that's a, that's a great phrase for it, which is insourcing, which is the notion of we'll do something that we're not outsourcing, like we'll take a sort of a somewhat discrete function and take it out. We'll actually take yeah. over in a department. You know, we do that in a managed service environment of managing yeah. the infrastructure because 
we've seen what UPS did is customers weren't able to access their supply chain tools right. without having a better logistics department that they couldn't afford on their own. Right. We have a very similar thing. Our application development stack is useless if the infrastructure crashes. Yeah. So they couldn't take advantage of our thinking. So it's in your best <laughs> interest, to, to, to interest to develop your own infrastructure. Just like UPS, it's in their best interest instead of shipping a computer to Dell to get fixed. They just fix it right there at UPS. Absolutely. And it's yeah. not only in UPS's, it's in Dell's and Dell's customers, just yeah. like we hope it's in ours. So the point here is you not only design the website, then you take care of it for them. Make absolutely. sure it works. Oh, absolutely. The, the goal the, the customer had was to have a web presence. Everything else beyond that is really not stuff they want to deal with. Pretty much. That's, that's exactly right. In many ways, the reason that the branding is such a distinct advantage that we try to take to our customers is Talking about communicating where the person isn't face-to-face is a new model for many businesses. Yeah, they're just not thinking that way. So bringing a specialist in who then also deals with all the care and feeding around that, keeping servers alive and dealing with the rules around data exchange and, uh, and e-commerce, that's just stuff most customers or most businesses don't, aren't aware of. They don't understand all the details around that. Absolutely. And so we also, because we're full service and touch all of that, and that can be canned spam all the way to uh, viral and other security practices, we bring something to the table that really helps a business focus on their widgets and not their policies. Well, and they hit on the classic. They don't understand what the state of email really is. They think, (laughs) well, we'll just mail everybody. Oh, no, you won't. They just don't get what's actually going on in the market. You actually get to once before you get caught. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Once. And then you never, ever get it back again. So that's a good question because, you know, this is something that uh, one of the reasons I started Pwop because podcasting obviously is a big thing. Have mm-hmm. you looked at this as a sort of an alternative to newsletters or Well, actually we uh we would put podcasting inside uh the notion of user-created content and non-network controlled communications. Yeah. Yeah. So it would fall into that discipline of a different way to organize the way communications uh, or information is delivered. So yes, yeah. podcasting, blogging, um e-newsletters, personalized e-newsletters. In some ways, we like the notion that people go out and grab what they want and they create their daily newsletter on their own. Yeah. We think that's a pretty cool uh, feature. So yeah, we look at it, but it is a sort of a, a, a subset. It's probably the one that made it the easiest for people to realize, I can sort of own my own point of view in the right, world. of course. And if I can gather other people have a same interest in my point of view, we can have a real dialogue. And I think that was somewhat... The forefront to a sort of a MySpaces type of yeah. different type of content creation. And, you know, so. specifically, if you think about um, email newsletters, what the objective of an email newsletter is for most companies, it's to really keep the customer invested in the company, right? To keep them is. interested in what the company has to say, what they have to offer, and anything that they can follow up on. So... Um, the problem with email, of course, is that it's so overwhelming for most people. You just get tons of it and separating spam from real stuff you're interested in is always a chore. Even people, you know, I, I maintain a mailing list, mm-hmm. right? And, and I get people who have come and opted in for stuff. Sure. And then two months later, they turn around, they send you a nasty email. Why am I getting this? And yeah. they signed up for it. So um, I see podcasting as a way to, if you have talented individuals who are interested in sort of taking on that host role... You know, to to sort of let's think about what we can offer our customers within the space of the vertical slice that we do and create a show and then, you know, get them invested in personally in the host and in the show 
and give them stuff, give them real information and make a more personal connection. This is the kind of thing I'm trying to do with Pop. And I don't know, do you think that that's a good idea? Or Yeah, and as long as you have a feedback loop where the listener, the audience, the user gets to get that information back to you and you respond to it, you're good. The problem where e-newsletters fall down is they don't build in the feedback loop. And so what happens is it's still just one-way communication and it gets boring. So if How many e-newsletters just end up in the spam folder anyway? They're lost. They never go anywhere. They really never go anywhere. And the ones, however, that allow content creation that take more of the characteristics of a blog Right, and that, just that, you know, accelerates it's so all much. All about better. the feedback loop. It is. There's something for the reader to do that not only gives you information that they were involved, but actually gets them involved. You know, I think there's something that podcasting does right. Yeah. It's not email. You can't just read it and throw it away. Well, that's there's exactly a commitment right. to listen. To actually load it up into that MP3 player and listen to it is a much larger commitment than your typical email newsletter. Yeah, but and, I think it's missed. I think when you say that, you also miss the fact that I also get to self-determine when, where I'm going to consume that. Yes. And so and that's so a therefore, huge part of and it. And I think, therefore, it's people are more willing to listen to something than they are to you know, e- to read email and digest it. And it's more a digestible format. Oh, yeah. Especially versus- if, and like you said, it goes along with having a blog. If you don't have a blog where people can say, I heard what you said on blah, blah, blah. Here's, let me t- talk to you after the show, tell you how to make that funny, right? <laughs> this is a joke that we have at Mondays. Let me tell you how to, how, how what, what it's really all about. But uh, we have this joke on Mondays between me and Mark Miller and, it's sort of like we always say to each other when a joke bombs, he says to me or I say to him, yeah, talk to me after the show. I'll tell you how to make that funny. <laughs> That's perfect. And, and of course, the salient <laughs> comment on that, whenever we do a show, we always blog against it. And people come back with commentary about, you know, that sucked. You know, and they have that opportunity that you immediately generate a response around the show. Do you think this is uh, something that as the clients for handling podcasts and blogs become more sophisticated, obviously going to be built into the next version of Windows, the next IE. Right. You think this is going to be even take off even higher than it is now? I or? think it does. I think you can look at uh, Korea as an example of a model. Korea has about two-thirds of its population is involved in user-created content, which is high video, high words, and about 60% of their under huh. 35, under 30, I think it really is, as Reliant is, is there like two hours a day. And it's because they have this rich media delivery. Podcasting is the perfect example of a much broader thing. I mean, right now the Pacific Rim just understands it much better than we do in the States. And I think podcasting and the ability to communicate my voice, my point of view, my tone to others, yeah. Which is fascinating (laughs) when you think about your typical Far Eastern culture being relatively repressed that they actually are big into personal communications like that. I mean, I think about, I have a 14-year-old daughter. Uh She's always known the internet. She's never known anything else. This kind of communication is going to be fundamental to her for the rest of her life. Oh, absolutely. And I think the fact, you you do hit on the cultural thing. This may be that the Far East has picked up on it faster than we have because we've been a little bit less repressed in our ability of individual (laughs) expression. We're not worried about pointing to someone saying, you're an idiot. (laughs) We've already developed that thick skin. No problem there. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about being a business consultant, I think about the people who are employing the 21-year-old who Mm. for most of their real life 
has been very privy to the technology that we're talking about right now. And what do they expect? Are you they talking about Jeff Maciolik? It's a chance? whole different world. I'm sorry? <laughs> Are you talking about Jeff Maciolik? <laughs> talking about our sound guy. But you know, you bring up a salient point. You imagine a 21-year-old. How many commercials has this kid seen? Right. You know? How inundated is he really? How do you possibly get through to that jaded a message? You know, that kind of viewpoint on that kind of technology. And and let him customize it. Let him pick what's important to him. That's what's going to count. And yeah. I've seen time and time again, though, the companies that will get into this idea of a podcast and say, okay, we have to do a podcast and without any real notion of what they're going to say, right? So right. they just fumble along and it sounds like marketing speak and all that stuff. That's not what you do. I, I think you should look for a blogger. Who, who uses your product, who has some clout in the, in the blogging community, and who at least has a third-party point of view and say, look, you're the host of our show. You know, we can, we'll give you the things that you need to do your job. You know, come work for us as the host of, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. That's, a, that's an interesting point of view. I'd love to find some customers that were bold enough to... To go that far. To, to, to go that far. Outside. You know, I you think know, they'll tepidly walk into it, and as their startup competitors are bolder, well, it's all about trust, they'll respond. Right? Yeah. you got to find people in the community that, that are already in public figures. They already have uh, a dedication to you know being in that yeah. public. The whole point of this whole infrastructure is to make that infrastructure transparent. It's about... The content. Yeah. That's why you turn to a loyal customer. They know more about your product than you do. Yeah. You go to them and you say, I'll facilitate you. Keep telling your story. And you, Microsoft has done this with the regional directors or the MVPs, you know, the evangelism thing. That's essentially what, what it's yeah, all about. Absolutely. I was going to tag back to this notion that the consumer knows more about your product than you do. And it's Bizarre to me that marketing has always relied on focus groups to hear what's in the mind of the <laughs> consumer. Yeah, they always are like, "What does the consumer know?" I, you know, I, I got to tell them what they yeah. want. But it's that, and now the consumer can say, "Look, this is what it is." And by the way, if enough people listen to me, I'll make change. So, oh, for sure, listen and to me. Which, yeah, and, and the side yeah. effect is that people have latched onto that. There's the, the mob mentality working in a positive way. That when someone yeah. is willing to stand up and say, "I will be your point of noise." Everybody gloms onto him and says, fine, the noise is we're not happy with this. Yep. And you can get that message transmitted. And people will take you seriously because you're not the company, right? Yep. Yeah. And as long as those that choose to make that endeavor their life act responsibly with it and keep the trust that of is a the problem, community, isn't it? You, you have to make sure we don't get the just ranxious, I'm going to howl at the moon, because then you it's a sort of an abuse of the communal trust. And That's an both issue. Richard and I have seen situations in which it, it has totally gone that way. I mean, I, I know of a couple. Well, absolutely. We, in the end, it's about the content. First, you're a believer in the product. Then you talk about the problems. When you get into the business of talking about problems, you've lost the primary goal, which is that first you love the product. Yeah. You got away from that. You cannot make a business out of attacking things. Yeah, you have so to first commit to them, then want to improve them. Yeah. Well, listen, this is uh, your chance to say anything you want to to the listening public. I know you've, we've already been doing that, but <laughs> you, the floor is yours. Uh, plug anything you want to plug. Well, uh, you know, as the owner of a company and a marketer, I got to say, you know, if you've liked what we've heard, Definition 6 can bring your company there. Or if you like working on the kind of stuff that we've been talking about, Absolutely. we do it. But, you know, more as the 
the, the conversationalist, I, I think where y'all are walking is the space that needs to be walked on. Um, yeah. I was delighted to hear y'all wanted to be here. So um, thanks for coming out. It's been good. Well, stuff. you know, the only reason I'm here is for the, for the uh, Woodland Reserve here. Well, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> and again, thank you very much for the space. And it's great Absolutely. meeting you, Michael. And, Absolutely. and we'll talk thank to you, you another time, I'm Alrighty. sure. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks very much. All righty. And guest number four is none other than Mr. Rory Blythe, host, co-host number two of Dotnet Rocks. The penultimate co-host. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm the good. legacy co-host. <laughs> the guy who is blamed for destroying Dotnet Rocks. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, fine. I earned I earn the legacy thing tonight because Data Grid Girl is here at the party. And with the grid view coming out to replace the Data Grid, I suggested that she change her name to Legacy Control Girl. And, <laughs> and uh... And that was awesome. That canned laughter. That was really cool. How you guys did that. I just pushed a button. I, 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 wish you could, I wish you could all be here because Carl laughed and then he passed the, the mic immediately over to Richard, who then laughed on cue. It was fantastic. <laughs> they did it again. That's great. We want everybody to hear wow. us laughing. That's awesome. That's I knew really he was going to laugh. You know, yeah. we're two people with one brain. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being the other half of the brain before. <laughs> What have you been doing since we last that's a, talked that's to you? That's a really good question. Okay, so the last time you talked to me, I was going crazy, right? Yeah, I'm, at, at the PDC. Yeah, at the PDC, and I'm a little bit past that now. I actually, I just spent the past week in Dallas at a team meeting, um, which is kind of why I came to Atlanta, because I was already pretty close to the area. Mm-hmm. And I chose this week to quit taking benzodiazepines, which are like Valium, <laughs> oh, Xanax, Ativan, or whatever. Well, no, I had a good reason, oh. though. And the reason is that when you quit these things cold turkey, you can have seizures. And I thought, if I'm in a room with at least like 20 of my coworkers, then at least one of them is going to be bright enough to notice that I'm like on the ground jiggling, right? And they'll probably, <laughs> they'll probably you know, pick up the phone and dial 911 or whatever you have to do in order to get somebody to stop jiggling, right? And so I thought, I'm quitting this week, but it really kind of backfired. Um, I, was, I had to apologize at the end of the week for being so curmudgeonly. So you didn't quit, actually? No, I didn't quit, actually. We had, in fact, today we ended on a very good note. In spite of the fact that I've been getting up at the equivalent of 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every single day this week, I'm in a very good mood right now. And, and you know, I'm having fun. I'm hanging out here talking to all the, you know, Dotnet Rocks people, but it's right. sad. You know, it's sad, and I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because there are people here who don't even know that I used to be co-host. Are you serious? <laughs> all they know is this Canadian freak. <laughs> Damn moose humpers. <laughs> well, yeah. Are you serious? No, I, I actually am totally serious. I just spent 20 minutes talking to this guy. Didn't and, know who uh, you were. You know, he's at the Donna Rocks party. And he's like, so I heard you have a blog. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got a blog. And and um, and I thought, okay, so he hasn't heard of the blog. That's fine. You know, and and actually I was kind of glad, to be honest with you. But then he but then he said, So, so who are you? And like, what are you doing here? And I'm, I'm like, really? Because <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you had to tell him I was the second co-host of .NET Rocks. I, I said, yes. I said, I used to co-host the .NET Rocks show, the internet radio talk show for .NET developers. That was yeah. me before. Yeah. yeah so you contributed really a good part of the humor aspect of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But as you told me today, I was out in the hallway and he's like, oh, have you heard Richard talk? Richard is so funny. <laughs> oh, Richard is so funny. In a different way. I like right? Richard. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Well, in a different way, Richard's funny. Richard's funny with, uh, you know, classic gag comedy. I think you are in a class by yourself. I don't think there is a category. I don't think there is a category to define your level of humor. That's good. It's surprising how many listeners did jump on at show 100. (laughs) So they really do (laughs) what you weren't there for. No, you cannot blame that on me because I was not there for show 99. (laughs) I was working that week. That's absolutely true. Who was that? Steve Forte with show 99? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
And you were co-host list? Yep. And then there was show 100. I was working. <laughs> I got this job at a place no. called Microsoft. <laughs> and that's essentially what happened. That is actually what happened. I, sure. I couldn't do the show anymore. There was, it was absolutely impossible. And so now that you drank the Kool-Aid, does it taste good? Okay. Um, the Kool-Aid is interesting because you sip it and its taste is sweet. You know, like a fine nectar and you know, <laughs> coats your tongue in, in the you know beautiful reds and various colors. But there is a little bit of an aftertaste that you notice, you know, once <laughs> it's been lingering on your tongue for a little while. And you're like, what is A few that? months you know? later. A few months later or, you know, approximately 14 months later, whatever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the perfect place to work. Although what I will say is that for all of the you know, occasional bad days that I have, they're also fantastic days. Like this week, I'll be honest with you, our team meeting the first four days, I thought, do I even belong at Microsoft? And then on the fifth day, I was like, no doubt, this is absolutely where I should be. But for the first four days, I was doubting it. So it's a, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy place to work. Well, the, the result is that it's a lot of different people, a lot of different, almost little companies, right? With a lot of little, you know, yeah. control uh, over different products. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they all well, do things differently. Well, it's not just that. It's it's also my team because I'm on the MSCN events team, you know, like a lot of people know. And uh, and we're all remote employees. And all we all do is present for a living. So you get, you know, 50, 60 of these people together for a meeting. And we ha- we've only seen each other two or three times a year. And we all go through this entire day. They're like 12 to 14 hour days. And it's just every one of us trying to present every minute of the day. Yeah, I was thinking it's like the presentation <laughs> competition nonstop. No, it's yeah, it's awesome. It, everything turns into a pissing contest about who who knows more about what namespace, and, then, and and everything and everything is done with a presenter voice. So people will actually like you'll you'll raise your hand, and the person at the front of the room, the manager or whatever who who is not in control at all of the situation, right, will call on you, and you'll stand up and you go, well. What I think is that if I were programming in that particular namespace, no, mind you, if I were, you know, and you, you phrase everything just in this really Huge overdone, context. everything, yeah, and, and, yeah, overblown, and, and yeah. at the end of your question, you say, okay, now I'll take questions from the audience. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so, I have, you have Q&A for your own questions. Um, well, now, yeah, now I'll take questions from the audience. Anybody? <laughs> no, that's good. Anybody? That's exactly how it was the whole week. Believe it or not, I had a taste of this last week. We did Mondays at another podcast venue in the basement of uh, Alan Chase, who does Otaku Generation. And they love Mondays. So, we, we were in the area in Philly. We get in, we walk in the basement, and they're doing shtick. Right, just oh. hey, how you doing? I'm blah blah blah. You know, hey, and they're all like taking turns and talking out of turn. It was amazing. I was like, do you guys really talk like this? Like when you're, and I noticed the same thing. Like when you and me and Mark Miller are in a room together with a bunch of people, we just fall into that banter. Yeah. You can't. It, it, it is. It is slightly contrived, professional, yeah. witty banter. We're doing the witty banter thing now, mostly. But, but you know, minds. but Mark lives in that mode. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking back to like the the the, the Donnet Rocks party in Vegas and being in a cab with him, and he's like, no, 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 man, no, seriously, no, seriously, no. If you if you if you think about it, man, the way it is is like it's like if you go over there and if and if you got Code Rush, okay, have I, have I shown you Code Rush? Come over here, I'm gonna get you into half Nelson. I'm gonna show you Code Rush, you know. And so Mark actually lives in that mode. There's. Yeah. It's that mode or they're coming to get me mode. <laughs> right. the, the paranoia the and the uh, whatever that is over yeah, there. Yeah, that stuff over I don't, there. I don't have a name for that. You know. Yeah, Mark is hilarious. Well, but. do you think this is something, you know, obviously you've been up, you've been down, you've been here, you've been out. Um, you currently sticking with Microsoft for a little while? Is this something you're going to... Yes. Like I say, I was doubting it for the first four days of, of this week, but... yeah. 
it's almost like we use the first four days to frame all of our problems in our fancy professional speaking voices. And then on Friday, <laughs> we took care of everything. It was amazing. Like we pulled just, it all together. Yeah. Everything kind of came through and we all left feeling good and patting each other on the back and going, we're so awesome. So, yeah. Um, so it's not that bad. But why Dallas? Why Dallas? Because uh, our, our team for the longest time for the past like nine years or something has been based in Las Colinas. It's not even really Dallas. It's this little patch of grass that you can see Dallas from Las Colinas, but there's nothing in Dallas except for two Microsoft buildings and NEC building and this place called the Taco Diner. So it's, <laughs> the, the nice thing about it, though, is that when you're stuck in a basement in the Microsoft building for 12 to 14 hours a day, you're not, you're not worried about like missing anything in the outside world like you are in maybe Vegas or... Okie Pinocchie, you know, <laughs> Wisconsin or something, right? Just any place else, basically. Yeah, um, there's nothing going on. You're not missing anything. So, I mean, there's the uh, there's the uh, the the repository building. That whole the JFK thing. That's in Dallas, really. What? Well, what is it? It's where JFK was shot. You know, the grassy oh, oh, okay. knoll. I thought, I think and the sixth the, floor okay, see, or whatever it is. Yeah, I thought the there was something I didn't know about. I thought you were gonna. I, I didn't know what the repository thing was about. I thought you were gonna tell me that's where he's stored. And no. I wasn't. <laughs> oh no, that would be his grave. Okay, all right. That's well. That's what I thought. And I was like, what? What did I miss here? Eternal you know, flame. So fantastic. But no, I mean, the, it's it's like a site now where you know the grassy knoll is there and the book repository is there and there's a few extra fences and things. But there's little plaques and stuff up. They sell videos. That I sounds a one. lot like Roswell, New Mexico. Actually, like this is where the saucer crashed. Yeah, and yeah. This is where the alien crawled out of the saucer, and this it's, is where the army took it. It's very much the same thing, except instead of alien, it's Lee Harvey Oswald, and it happened. Are you getting a chance to write more anymore these days? Because I got to tell you, Rory, you know, presenter Schmenner, you you are destined to be a great a writer. Okay, here's the you other. You are thing. an awesome writer. Uh, along those lines, okay, this is going to sound weird, especially since I'm doing the interview right now. And especially since it's my job to get up in front of people and present, and especially since I got here basically through my blog, but I have begun to find the attention and the and and the emails and everything kind of embarrassing. Like it's gotten to this point where I'm not so sure that I like having a blog or I like having all that stuff out there, and I kind of want to step back and almost start writing anonymously. Is it a little too intimate now? It actually I mean, kind of is a little. Bit. I mean, it's not. And, and admittedly, I mean, I read your blog. And you hang it out there on the blog. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of illusions. I'm not saying I didn't invite some of this. <laughs> <laughs> some of the funniest posts have been when you're talking about the experience of being sick. I mean, yeah. honestly. Yeah, but lately, though, it's changed. And like when I had the really bad reaction to the antidepressants and I wanted to kill myself, I mean, I, you know, I Which was being, is, you know, now it, that's funny. That, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's a pretty funny. I'm, I'm sorry, not funny. It's a pretty sad thing. I don't know why it's so funny. It's, it's a sad thing and it was messed up and it was a really, really hard time. And I remember I wrote about that and one of the comments was, thanks for giving us all a front seat to the gun show. And I was like, hey, it's not funny. You know, I mean, I was feeling really beat up at the time. And, and I look at that and I think, wow, that's that's creepy. And there have been some comments that have been made that I'm not even going to repeat here. OK. And this but, is the guy who does Google weirdos and you're not going to repeat them. Yeah. Uh, you know, leakage is acceptable. Google but weirdos something they is said? acceptable tastelessness. There are limits. Yes. Mainly when they're about other people. Right. Um, yeah. This is about you, so therefore, yeah. And, not I, and, and I have to say, I, I know that I want to write, but I've been really tempted to take a step back and disappear, like inside of how about a, a position. Book, that, how about a book? I've thought about doing the book thing. I've thought maybe I'm going to stop with the blog and I'm going to start with the book because that's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I've got a lot of vacation time coming up. And what I've been wanting to do, and what I was going to do before Microsoft uh, took me away, was take all the money that I had saved as a consultant. So it was going to take three hundred dollars, and I was going to go to, <laughs> I was going to go to. <laughs> I was going to go to Japan and I was going to write a travel narrative. And, and, uh, sort of the Bill Bryson kind of thing or sort of Bill Bryson. I was thinking more Paul Thoreau, but stupid. 
Okay, but 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 Bill Bryson as well. Yeah, so like almost a combination of Paul Thoreau, Little Bill Bryson, humor. like Pee Wee Herman or something. Just something really <laughs> stupid, right? And, that, and that's what I wanted to do. So I will be. I will buy the first copy, my friend. You're oh, yeah. great, right? Well, okay, I'm all over that. Two for me, please. I'll give one of the ways a gift. <laughs> Two for me, please. Okay. Well, I'm just Pretty really glad now. we had a chance yeah. to talk to you here. All right, so I do this to every guest. I might as well do it for you. Um, here's your chance to say. Uh, well, I corrected myself because that would be inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Um, here's your chance to plug anything you want, say anything you want. The floor is yours. What do you want to say? Wow. Jeez. Here's a total non sequitur out of left field. Go for it. Um, anything that I want to say? Well, it's kind of humid in here. My shorts are kind of sweaty. <laughs> I just realized I don't have that much to say. Okay. Although, although if I can plug something, sure. is that all right? Can I plug one That's thing? That's the idea, yeah. MSDNEvents.com. That's the one thing I'll plug. It's, it's, it's my job right now. It's my lifeblood. And, and it totally relates to Donna Ross. Take another sip of Kool-Aid, my friend. <laughs> Take another sip. Well, did you really just plug a Microsoft site? Is that what you're you, telling me? Did you guys see the videos I did with Scott Hanselman? Yes, oh, we did. Yes. He didn't take a sip. We held him down and we poured it into his and mouth. We made him drink him. it. Okay. And who was that Believe girl me, look, screaming if, the if whole time? The, if legal would not get in my way, I would be doing that to customers. Okay. <laughs> it's just that there's some things that they've said I can't do. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to call customers dickheads, and I am not allowed to force drink them to drink shit. the Kool Aid. God damn it. <laughs> I can't slap them. They have all these stupid rules, but yeah, I'm so legal. There's, there's a lot of things I can't do. Oh well. Anyway, so right. this whole conversation is being edited out, and thank you very much, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you later. I'm not going to shake Air your shake. hand. What's that all about? Okay, all right, all right. Shake. I think I want your germs and cooties. All right, well, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, bye bye. And so, guest number five, the two of them are. Hi, I'm Matt Ramlett. And I'm Brendan Schwartz, and we are the Atlanta.net regular guys. Now, am I mistaken? Are you guys wearing blue badges there? No, you must be mistaken. Neither okay, of us are I'm mistaken. Blue I'm all right with that. No blue badges in sight. I'm I'm good with that. No, neither of us have drunk the Kool Aid. There you go. Because we had a Kool Aid drinker in here earlier today, and nothing but trouble. And there's another one waiting in the hall. If you get to him, it's an endless supply of blue badges. It's true. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, we only interview them when we have to. No, we're just kidding. We love blue badges. So, what do you guys do? Um, well, we do different things. We used to work together, but the thing that ties us together now is the uh, .NET community user groups and uh, the Atlanta area. So we work together to run or help run a bunch of the user groups here in the Atlanta area. So is there any official title that you have other than through the user groups, or you just work for the company, and, and well, this is something you do for the fun of it? We've, uh, we've stepped up and we've started working with Inetta, and we've taken over the VP of technology role at Inetta. Wow. And we've, uh, so you guys are both VP of technology. That's right. It's a shared brain thing here. Co-VP. Yeah, actually, I'm the right side, he's the left side, or vice versa. I'm not really sure on that yet. Because near as I can figure between Carl and I, we're both wits, but maybe only half a one. Yeah, together we make up an entire wit. <laughs> yeah, that seems to work for us, too. Together we make up about an effective single person. <laughs> So what do you what do you do when you wake up in the morning in this role? Um, well, I wake up a lot earlier than he does, and then I go to a real job. And okay. then while he's driving into work, he'll call me and give me a list of things to do, and I'll do them by the time he gets to work, or I'll try to. And then he'll go to work and play for a little while, 
and, and Brandon, give me a list of things to do. Brandon, your work is also a just totally separate job that uh, That's has right. nothing to do with Ionetta. Yeah, I'm a consultant for uh, a company in Atlanta, and um, I just do ASP.net and BizTalk and SharePoint work. So. What company? Go ahead and plug RDA it. RDA Corporation. Okay, got yep. a website? Yep, rdacorp.com. Cool. So. And uh, I work for a retail company that owns a bunch of stores that sell CDs and DVDs. So we uh, sit around at work and play and music a lot. And Anyone we know? The company that uh, owns all the stores is called Value Music Concepts, and mm. they own stores like uh, Manifest and Sound Shop. They're all over the country, but I honestly, I think the closest one to Atlanta is uh, up in like the outlet malls and commerce in Dahlonega. It's not very exciting, those, those stores, but some of the stores are really actually pretty cool. That's cool. So uh, how about you, Brandon? When you wake up in the morning, what do you do well, at work? Like Matt said, I wake up a little bit later than he does, but... Uh, <laughs> My brain's going a lot earlier than his, oh. so I see how to, <laughs> I've got the brains, but uh, he's got the muscle, I guess. So uh, I, guess. We, uh, I get going and uh, get into the office and uh, do design on architectures or work on actual code. Now, I, I take it you guys have relationships, like you're married or you have girlfriends or something? I'm engaged and he's married. Okay, so, so what on earth possessed you to take on this extracurricular role as VP of Information Technology at I- Inetta? Well, what, what started as us running or helping to run five different user groups in the Atlanta area didn't seem like enough challenge. Oh. So the next thing that we, <laughs> so the next thing that we started to do was we put on a, uh, like a professional level training event where we trained people for three months in SharePoint. And we had you a, said, I'm still not busy enough. I think well, I got we, felt, we were like, well, this is pretty much coming to a close in about a couple of weeks. So really what we should do is find the next big thing to do. So we went and hunted down an, an incredibly difficult task. And, uh, and we think we might have found it with this one. Yep. And it's going to hopefully keep us busy over the next two years. So um, what does a role entail? Well, we actually have to take conference calls and uh, tell people what to do. It's a difficult job, as you could imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's something that Brandon excels at really well, telling people what to do. He likes that a lot. <laughs> so I like these guys. These uh, remind me of somebody, do they? I don't know. It seems vaguely familiar. Yeah, it's Ooh, who might it be like? I don't know. I'm not sure. No, I don't We'll know. keep talking. It'll come to me. Yeah, but the real the reality of, of doing the job is that uh, as the VP of technology, even though there's two of us, we're, we embody one job, one one f- entity. Right. And what we try to do is we try to make sure that the technology that runs INETA, which is the International .NET Association, mm-hmm. they're the group that helps sponsor and helps organize and helps create .NET uh, user groups all around right. the country and all around the world. As the people responsible for the technology, we're responsible for things like email, things like SharePoint that they use internally, and mm. also the uh, variety of websites that they use. And this isn't just in the North America region. They're actually a worldwide organization with uh, six, five or six different regions, including uh, Asia, Africa, Middle East, Europe, Latin America, which is basically everything south of the and it's US. it's all volunteer? It's entirely volunteer. They have a single paid employee who is basically the secretary who kind of provides a uh, I guess a single point of contact for their uh, suppliers or their Somebody sponsors, the basically someone. That, yeah. yeah, basically what she would say is the Office one who does organizer. the real work. Yeah, the real work. <laughs> I have one of those back in the office. Her name's Karen Bryant, and I, I love her for what she does. Yeah. So yeah, um, so we just do that, and then uh, we do our regular jobs, and then around town we keep track of a calendar of the Atlanta.net user groups or mm-hmm. Microsoft groups, and there's uh, five to 11 events a month that we kind of hang out at. Right. And so 
Well, the way that this road trip worked is I, you know, got the contacts through Inetta for you guys. And we said, hey, we'd like to come here and talk to your group. And, and you, Matt, were the guy that, uh, that helped me with all the logistics stuff of getting here and setting up and food and all that stuff. Yeah, I was glad to do it and glad that you paid me back afterwards. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that was a lot of money out of pocket. <laughs> well, it wasn't out of my pocket, however. we right. got to thank Microsoft and our sponsors for that. Absolutely, which is right where I was leading. Thanks to all the sponsors, especially Microsoft. Absolutely. So um, this is your chance to say anything you want, to plug anything at all. It could have nothing to do with .NET some people out there are listening to you, probably a lot of them. What do you want to say? Well, I have to I have to tell my wife I love her, and thanks for letting me take so much time off. Um, just like tonight and every other night, she's uh, she's put in a lot of time, just like both of our uh, our girl girlfriends and wife have. So, amen to that, brother. Yeah, you know we're on the road for a month. We left wives behind, and we've been sending flowers, trying to compensate. You know, this is a good thing. Good thing. If you're going to be on the road for more than a few days, send flowers home. Absolutely. And if I don't mention Kim's name, even though she probably won't know what happens when I show her the uh, the download with the audio <laughs> on it, she'll be like, what the heck is that? And yeah. who listened to it? If I don't mention her name, I'll be in a lot of trouble, especially since Brendan mentioned his wife. Yeah. So there you go. Now it's, uh, it's, it's even. It's on par. And then the other thing that I guess I'd like to plug is that uh, if you're interested in, in finding out more about .NET programming, if you're interested in, in finding out more about what people around you are doing, there are 800 user groups worldwide with wow. something like on the order of 400,000 members worldwide. And there are groups all over the place. If you're interested in something like that, you can go to the Inetta website and try and find some of the groups. The and how many in Atlanta? Atlanta has, that we are individually associated with, has five or six user groups. Wow. But there are... We have a C-sharp user group, a Visual Basic user group, a SQL Server user group, a main.net user group. They're specialized. They're, we are fairly specialized. We have another group called the Microsoft, Atlanta Microsoft Professionals, which focuses on not language technologies, but products and professional level applications. We recently did a, a, a three-month training series on SharePoint. We're looking at things like BizTalk next. And then there are other groups in town that we don't associate with, not because we don't like them, but either they're far away or they just don't cover topics that we specifically aren't interested in. There's a Fox Pro group. There's some Java groups. There's an architecture group, which is cross-language, cross-platform that we're beginning to get involved with. So, Basically, there's a lot going on. And that's so bottom line, go to Inetta.org, look at the resources link, look at all of the user groups that are in your area. You can search by geographical location. Is that right? You yeah, can and find one we're actually you. working on... Uh, Putting some more technology together for Inetta, both of us are. And if anyone's interested, they can always email uh, an Inetta person and get involved. You know, we're always looking for volunteers, so. We recently talked to a guy, and I can't even remember where or when. It's been a blur. I don't even remember if it was the road trip. But we talked to a guy who was, I think, yeah, it was in New York. He lives in California, sort of between two places where there are user groups, but it's a couple hundred miles in each direction. And so he wants to start up a central California .NET users group. He went to Inetta. He's starting one up. We're going to hear back from him in you know a couple of months and hear how it went. That's just the kind of thing. If you We said this on the last show. If you're looking around you and it's a couple of hundred miles and there's people doing .NET in your area, heck, contact Inetta, right? That's it. And uh, they'll try to help you get started and try to get you hooked up with the right people. Excellent. Well, guys, it was great talking to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for hosting us and, and thanks for getting helping Definition 6 uh, host this party for us and everything else. 
Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. It was a great oh, presentation bet. on both behalves, and I'm sorry I didn't win the grand prize. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, come back anytime. We'd love to have you. Thanks very much. Thanks. Bye. And our sixth guest at this all-star cast is none other than David Summers. How are you, David? I'm doing great. And I noticed you in the crowd because you've got a very interesting shirt on. What does this shirt say? Social engineering specialist. And, and in the back... Because there is no patch for human stupidity. Awesome. Thinkgeek.com. Did you get that at Thinkgeek? I was just going to say. Yeah. They have the greatest shirts, don't they? I have uh, half my t-shirt collection, I think, comes from them. Aren't those guys the guys that are supposed to be sponsoring Mondays? You'd think they would. you think they would. Bastards. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. So, uh, who are you and what do you do? Well, um, David Summers, uh, work for Dialogue Medical. We're a local company here. We do healthcare applications. Mm -hmm. And I think our biggest thing, uh, is probably in the press is, is we, uh, we're in 162 hospitals for the Veterans Administration. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of hospitals right yeah. across the country, I imagine. All, all the way. Uh, you do like, Hawaii uh, there. Yeah. Do you do like the billing stuff and the clinical stuff or what do you... We specifically do informed consent. So if you ever go in for surgery and, and you basically have to uh, sign a waiver <laughs> that uh. says I can die or bleed to death, but but my benefits for the surgery are, you, you know, uh, a list of things. And it's very specific. It's a lot better than doctor's, you know, ch chicken scratch. Right, right. I mean, it specialized documents for that thing. Do you get into the whole do not resuscitate and all those kinds yes, of things as well? Yes, yes. That's a tough document to sign. Yeah, we uh flexible workflow. That's all I can say. <laughs> Everybody yeah. does it different. We've been told that DNR has another meaning, but we honestly don't know what that means. <laughs> but we uh we, we, get to, we get to do digital signatures and tablet PCs and we have a Windows 2003 server Excellent. and .NET. And I guess it's an interesting challenge is that Ultimately, if it ends up in a court, you're talking about a document produced by someone who's no longer around, and you've got to prove that they actually consented to this, sometimes in electronic form. Right. You, you get that face-to-face -face conversation, and basically the, the witness and the doctor are, the, are, are, are documented on that with the, with the wet signature, and that stands up in court. That's good to hear. Um, I've been in the medical software business before. I was a developer at a company that did that. I don't know if you knew that, but, and uh, I know that it's a very tricky place to be in IT because hospitals and doctors have this certain mistrust of technology because we're not talking about lost money. We're talking about, you know, right. damaging people's lives if it's not right. And, and unfortunately, they're slow to adopt new technology, you know, especially with the Veterans Administration, their federal government. So not right. only are you a hospital, but you're a federal government hospital. Right. And um, .NET's not everywhere. So are you finding that there's more trust of .NET than there has been of different Windows technologies in the past? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, .NET... .NET's one of those things that uh, the IT department doesn't doesn't realize the benefit. You know, it's the applications that really realize the benefit and the vendors. And uh, there's no reason for IT to really put .NET on the desktop. So it's hard. It's a hard deployment and a hard sale. I got to imagine the IT is highly conservative in an environment like that. I mean, we talk about a double whammy, double institution, government and medical institution at the same time. And and now with the government and the and the. Uh, there's cybersecurity, and yeah. you have to get everything certified, and you have a long process for, for even validating Windows Server 2003. We, we weren't able to deploy that until late 2004. Wow. It's very tough to work in. Yeah. So you've obviously had some successes, though. You're, you're deploying 
with tablet PC, obviously, you know, this is a no brainer for the medical industry. It's portable. It goes around. It's got Wi-Fi. You can take it to the patient. You can gather data. You can do a lot with that in the medical industry. You can even, you know, one thing that I really liked about the tablet PC is the the Adobe uh, interface to Acrobat, mm -hmm. where you can have digital signatures and you can sign documents, and they become binding documents. Yeah, PKI isn't uh, isn't something that's everywhere in, in mm -hmm. hospitals, especially. When PKI, you, define that. Uh, public key and uh, infrastructure and, okay. and, and, and using digital certificates and mm -hmm. tokens and whatnot to, to mm -hmm. validate a user's authorization for documentation. Um, patients don't get smart cards, you know. Providers right. might have security keys and whatnot and be entered into the system. Patients come and go. And so, um, in the end, you still need a wet signature in most cases. And our application is difficult in that we're still VB6 up front. Wow. Well, I guess that's not that surprising considering the environment. Right. I just love the term wet signature. It's very biological. <laughs> yeah, that's a great term. Yeah. So do you think um do you think much about the future of computing and about uh you know projecting out into the kinds of technology that you think ought to be used? Um I know Michelle Robustamonte and I talked quite a bit about having uh everybody have sort of a, a key card that I, you know, has a sort of a, a key on it that you can use for encryption that is physical, that stays with you, that you can use to authorize things. You see... You touch upon something really hard in healthcare, and that's privacy. Um, sure. A universal ID for both, uh, your, you know, not just your social security number, but something that uniquely identifies you across all hospitals, because a lot of them share information. And currently, the information sharing platform is HL7, which is very old school. And, it, and yeah, it's one of those uh, SGML standards. It's like a non-standard standard. Every hospital implements it differently. Yeah, there's a flavor. To work with. And you think that there's uh, also people are worried about, well, if they have your ID at this hospital, they have your ID at my hospital. So there's a possibility for crosstalk of data and sharing of things that might be inappropriate, et cetera. And, and who can access the data and who controls the data, you sure. know, especially for insurance, you know, they, you know, if you switch companies and you have to switch insurance providers, um, who can access that data and kind of make a judgment call on, on your, your app, you know. Your, so is there an answer to this problem? Uh, a lot of people are still thinking about it, I think. Yeah, smart folks still working on a very tough problem. You know, on one hand, you want that universality of data so that a doctor knows everything about you at their fingertips. At the same time, you still want that privacy. You want to be able to talk to one hospital separately from another, and that's not always possible with these sorts of systems. Is there any kind of uh, future technology if you could put on your Star Trek hat for a minute and you know think about what the ultimate sort of authentication authorization scheme might be? DNA-based, maybe? It, well, it would be more of that PKI stuff. Uh, yeah. The federal government's a fine example for your veterans, You know, the people who serve in the military. Yeah. They... Pretty much when you sign up for the military, you give up some of your rights. And, yeah. and one of them is they have full access to your medical record, but they can access it everywhere. Mm. Um, the DOD, the Department of Defense, is working with the Veterans Administration. So your field record when you were serving in the military is available to you when you retire. And it's available at all the hospitals. Mm. So a lot of that uh, privacy in the, in, in, in the private sector um, isn't an issue in the federal government. Mm. Interesting. So, um, what brought you out to this event tonight? Um, I don't usually go out to these events. Uh, I'm, 
I'm more of a channel nine blogs type of person. Okay. You know, love DNR and, and, and all those things. And I find my outlets online. I rarely go to user groups. Ah, so what? So you guys. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I think I feel flattered. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been listening to the show for a while? Oh, yeah. A very cool. long time. Trying to get, you know, we have six developers in our company, trying to get them on it. And, you know, one of the hard things to do and something I'm probably going to tackle next week is is uh, internal training or internal understanding of more things brought back from user groups or from yeah. online resources or from DNR. It takes an internal champion, doesn't it? Somebody who goes and makes the tr- takes the trouble to bring that information together for the company to benefit from. All right. Do you find yourself downloading the show and sharing it internally and giving people internal URLs to the files or I try, but you know, it's it's not not to say it's you know, it's an hour long and, sure. and people's time is precious and yeah. And I lead both the uh the IT and some of the infrastructure group inside of our company mm-hmm. and pushing down um new technologies like Portal and uh .net and and a lot of these things that are brand new to them. Uh, it's hard. It's challenging. Well, this is your chance to say anything you want, plug anything, uh, your neighborhood bar. I don't know. Uh, anything you want to say? Um, other to than, listeners? you know, a, a lot of people don't grasp everything in .NET or everything in Microsoft. And it doesn't even have to be Microsoft. It's just technology in general. Sure. Um, try and reach internally and, and teach people and, and extend the knowledge that you may have gained through other means and yeah. And maybe not just, you know, here's the link I use. Just give them that, you know, straight down to the bullet Don't points. you think people are a little freaked out in, in feeling that, oh, no, I don't know everything. I must be stupid. It, it's, you know? it's a hard sale. You know, a Isn't lot of it? people a lot of people also just don't want to listen. You know, it's like, oh, wait, yeah. it's from Microsoft? It can't be good, but it really is. You know, mm. Team System is something I'm really excited about. Mm. And mm. it's it's a hard sale when, when some of the people in the company just don't agree. But then they sit down, they use it, and they yeah. say, this is cool. But you have to spend the two hours to show them. You, yeah. know, you can't just send them a link to a webcast you or can't. Yeah. send them a blog entry and say, this is interesting, read. Yeah, it takes a little more work than that. You got to commit to the material enough to really understand. Yeah. David, thanks a lot for no, talking to us. All right. We'll talk to you later. So, final guest of the evening, because the tape is running out, Jim Woolley. And Michael Earls. How are you guys? Fine. Doing great. Thank you. So tell us what you do. I am a leader of the VB study group here in town. This Fabulous. group has been going on since for about 12 years now, I believe. I've been leading it for about five years and uh, usually have a decent sized uh, uh, group. And it's there are a lot of groups that are in town here and all of the groups have sort of different characteristics. This group is much more uh, personal, a lot of interaction within the group. I'm blown away by how dynamic the group was that we talked to tonight. I mean, they're very interactive. They had a lot of thoughts. I had guys come up with lists of questions about mobility at the end of the talk that I had, they were planning on having me answer the whole gambit of them. Yeah. I think I had more questions in the audience than anyone we've seen so far, any place we've seen so far. Yeah, there, and there's uh, just so many people in this Atlanta area, and there yeah. are so many different opportunities. In every opportunity that anybody comes to, there's always new people that are coming to the group. So it's really an interesting dynamic that's going on around town. So, Michael, what is your role in all of this stuff? Well, I'm just a community nerd, I guess. I uh, hang out <laughs> the user group meetings a lot in Atlanta, and uh, I don't know. It's a good group. I mean, I actually attend more groups um, in Atlanta than than – most, but there's still a few people who attend. Now you're a blue badge. You're recent hire to Microsoft, yeah, right? Yeah, actually, um, I haven't started yet, but I start 
a it's week. Imminent. Uh, it's imminent. Yes. I start a week from Monday as a developer evangelist. So, so. A, a true D and it, we're both regional directors and regional directors always have a DE that we sort of Absolutely. connect with. That's yes. a, the, the sort of well, relationship. If you're in the Southeast, you're actually going to have uh, one, two, three DEs to talk to. Wow. Um, yeah. There's, so there's a, there's a telecom vertical. There's an ISV, which is what I'll be doing. It's a new role. And then there's also the developer evangelist, which is, which is our Doug Tenor, our, our best DE uh, here in the Southeast. And then you Excellent. actually, there's quite a few more. So Jim, what, uh, are you an INETA group, your VB study group? Yes, we are INETA and uh, try to be as active as we can. Most of our groups don't use the INETA speakers as much because we try to focus on what the individuals can bring to the meetings themselves. All right. I got to ask you this. What do you think of VB 2005? I think it's awesome. As soon as I can get onto it in production, I'm going to move to it. Isn't this the um, best VB we've ever had? Yes, honestly. it is. Uh, the first project that I did in VB6 took us about three or four years to produce. We just rewrote it in about six months in uh, 2003. <laughs> Those numbers and don't And we're going to move uh, over amazing. to 2005 as soon as we possibly can. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, actually, um, with Visual Studio 2005 and um, SQL Server 2005, I've seen some great successes in the past seven months with ASP.NET 2.0. Mm. Um, I haven't seen a lot. I mean, there's one of my clients did VB, but if you, tra you know, transcend the language, you know, C sharp, VB, whatever. Um, but if you look at the platform, I've seen in this past seven months, I've seen two major clients have very good successes with .NET 2.0. It blows my mind the number of successes we're seeing in the 2.0 product. And the thing is still beta. I know in beta 2, we shipped a go live license. So this is all a That was very so important forth. though. That was a very important a huge thing. Development. I'm just amazed at how many companies took advantage of it and literally shipped a production app on a beta tool yeah. set. I know three. You yeah, know, three companies. And that with the send training. And, you know, one of the things my listeners have heard me say over and over again, ASP.NET always first to be right. deployed because it's a no-brainer. Right. You put it on your servers, you know, central distribution. The Windows stuff is going to come later, and it's going right. to take a little more time. We have complete control over that server. You know, you don't yeah. have to worry about people having their framework installed. You can yeah. really work with that server intimately during the beta progress. And no crisis about the upgrade to the Absolutely release candidate yeah, in the final by version. Side. And so Absolutely, forth. side by no side. No problem at all. Yeah. It's brilliant. So uh, what, kinds of, uh, what kinds of things have you done with the group that sort of uh, you're very proud of? All sorts of different kinds of things. Uh, and we try to focus on Windows, Webs, uh, uh, anything we can think of that anybody is willing to present is able to present on. Now, you personally are, are obviously a VB programmer, or else you wouldn't be leading a VB group, right? Correct. What, uh, any particular fascinating and, and interesting uh, stories you have from the field in terms of maybe stuff that you've developed that was kind of cool? Well, probably the uh, first one I would think of was... Uh, started looking at .NET back in 99, uh, yeah. when right after PDC came out, started right. playing with the PDC bits, and uh, released my first com uh, production app one week before the actual release to marketing, or release to manufacturer on 1.0. <laughs> so. Excellent. What was that app? Uh, it was, uh, well, I originally had written a uh, intranet portal type of solution, and trashed it when I saw iBuySpy. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's what I came up with. Yeah, which I by spy ultimately ultimately became .NET Nuke. Yep, and we've uh, our user group has um, had projects both I by spy and .Nuke. And we've also done project with CSLA uh, and all sorts of different kinds of things. Excellent. Yeah, the VB group in Atlanta is actually very active. Um, the, it's different than the other user groups. I mean, I've go to all the user groups: C Sharp Study Group, the Atlanta .NET User Group, 
uh, there for a while there, we had a mobility group. We think we were actually way ahead. We, uh, we, we had the mobility group started by some guys here in Atlanta that started right about the same time as the, uh, I guess it was the, the mobile to go or some kind of campaign with Microsoft. But I think it's a little bit, a little bit ahead of its time. So the mobility group's not doing so well, but the VB group is one of the strongest groups in the, in the city. And, and I think it's, it's got a reputation for when you want to get some practical, pragmatic approaches to .NET development, you show up to the VB group. If you want to get some esoteric ivory tower architectural type things, you show up to the C Sharp group. If you want to just network and meet people, you show up to the Atlanta.NET user group meeting. So the yeah. VB group has a very good reputation for Absolutely. being it pragmatic. Cool. Yeah. So it's a good group. Hey, Jim, you mentioned earlier on here, you actually turned down Ineta speakers at your VB group? We haven't uh, taken the opportunity of using them usually, uh, and that's there are so many different groups here in town, and each one of them really needs to have sort of a different focus in order to pull different types of people. And so that's what we've tried to focus on. And we do have other groups that do the Ineta speakers and things like that. But we have had a couple Ineta, and we're looking at doing some other uh, speakers as well in the future. I think what's important here, Jim's not telling you, is that um, to Jim's defense, they just joined Ineta like, what, two months ago? So they haven't taken advantage of Ineta benefits yet because they've only been in Ineta group for two months. It's and you're talking group. about a source of rock star speakers. But right. what excites me is the prospect that you're using local community speakers. I mean, I really like the idea that a user group generates its own speakership as well. It's, P- it's the community talking to it- itself. And we find often that uh, it's an opportunity for people to learn more. Because people who come in, they have an idea of what they want to do, but they don't know how to do it. When they volunteer to speak, they learn more about it, and they're able to speak more about it, and it really benefits everybody all, all around. Absolutely. So i got to ask you, one VB guy to another, Jim. What did you think of the uh, asynchronous stuff that I showed today? It was pretty cool. We actually did a presentation on that uh, recently, which was uh, on uh, single-instance applications. And we ended yeah. up having five different threads running at the same time trying to synchronize it all. Oh, boy. So it was fun, fun and very similar. Okay, so here is your opportunity, both of you, Jam and Michael, to say whatever you want to say. The podium is yours. You've got uh, two minutes. Go ahead. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say Atlanta is a very strong .NET community. We have a very active um, developer community. I think it's very important that um, people realize that throughout the rest of the country and throughout the world. I think Atlanta is a very underutilized marketplace. Really? Underutilized? Yeah. I'd say the big thing is uh, get out there and get involved with these uh, user groups because it's a great way of getting some free educational experiences, great way of meeting people and uh, sharing your ideas. A lot of the people that come out to our meetings are from very small shops, and it's a great way of bouncing ideas off of each other. Excellent. Well, Jim, Michael, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys, and we were very, very happy to be here for many reasons, but especially to talk to guys like you doing the Thanks doing for coming the out. Thank you. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, guys. Hey, you know what? I got to do a plug. Can you believe it? I have a favor that was paid to me by Sasha Kramitovic. Uh, no, I've smashed his last name, but that's okay. He's from Mimes, Canada, and he pulled a favor for me. So for my favorite .NET gigolo, thanks, dude. Thanks for pulling it out. I don't even know what that means. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> Long story. We'll let it go right there. All right, and we'll see you in Nashville next week. Bye-bye. You betcha. Life is hard, baby.